So hello everyone and welcome to the Block Damon podcast. Today I'm joined by Ryan Matthews, Head of Customer Success and Service Management here in Block Damon. Uh, so Ryan, welcome to the Block Damon podcast. It's great to have you. Thank you. It's cool to be here. Yeah. Absolutely. So Ryan, tell me about your background, your history. How'd you got into the Web3 space and uh, some of your career? Yeah. So it's kind of an interesting uh, journey for me. I really cut my teeth in technology originally working for Apple. I uh, I started in the genius world. My wife likes to remind me I used to be a genius. Uh, so when uh, when I wanted to move to Austin, Texas, Apple wanted to keep me on. They brought me into corporate world. Uh, so at that point, I started leading a team of engineers that essentially helped out with the App Store and uh, with that, with an Apple Care. So if you ever designed a, an iPhone app, uh, my team was the one that would review your your requests and either approve or deny them based on uh, you know the, the accountability practices they put into place. Um, and then you know. Apple's a great place uh, for learning culture, learning uh, really cool, crazy customers. I mean, like, you know, one day you're talking to Disney and the next day you're talking to BBC. Um, but I really wanted to cut my teeth more in actual technology, work in an entire IT department. And so uh, Kendra Scott hired me. Kendra Scott's a jewelry, uh, fashion, retail designer. Uh, and the IT department when I started there was very minimal. We only had about five to eight people. And uh, we grew exponentially over the next couple of years. Uh, and I had the great privilege and honor to lead you know, the system administrator, the help desk, the project management organization. And I got to see that team blossom and grow as well. Um, and uh, yeah, right before the pandemic, I started my own startup with a friend and co-founded a, essentially uh, another burgeoning emerging technology, this concept of re-commerce, uh, keeping retail items in circulation instead of letting them land up in a landfill uh, to basically extend the life cycle of a product. Um, And I love playing with new technology, new concepts, things that challenge the status quo and really push the boundaries on how we experience technology today and what really will will look like 5, 15 years from now. And as, uh, as, as my startup, you know, being a founder for a startup is fun. It's very energetic. It takes a lot of energy. I learned a lot of grit, learned a lot of uh, action-oriented thinking, right? You're always moving at any given moment every day, um, you know, and, and, and the startup's still, still doing great. I thought it would be a great time, though, to put my foot more into Web3 space. So I fell in love with emerging technology. I led teams for customer service prior, right, with Kendra Scott, uh, Apple being customer-focused. So I had internal and external consumers. And then I also, when I did my startup, I was heading up our customer success team. So I was able to really see how it all blended from a holistic ecosystem where you have your internal customers, your your employees, and then you have your external customers, your clients, and how they interact with your technology on a day-to-day basis is different. But to be able to ensure that the level of service that they're being provided on a holistic standpoint should still be the same. Uh, so you don't usually see someone who leads customer success and service management. It's very rare. Um, but I wanted to take my my knowledge, um, bundle it up into an area, and move over to Web3 uh, for two main reasons. Uh, I still feel like we're in a burgeoning moment for crypto in general. Yeah, we've been around for a bit uh, ever since I was in college, frankly. But the, the thing is, is that there's still so much more opportunity. Um, and when I think about that, tied into the fact that Customer success managers, as such as still, they're also still a new concept within um, SaaS organizations. They've only been around for about 10 years. And so 
being able to be the authoritative voice as a CS leader within Web3 is a job opportunity I wasn't going to pass up. Uh, and so, yeah, luckily, um, I, I have friends here at Block Damon, uh, and, and I reached out, and it was it was like love at first sight. It was perfect blend and exactly what y'all needed at the moment, and, and it, it felt right at the moment that we got to come over. I got to come over, and I, I'm really thankful for the opportunity. Absolutely. And so some of the day-to-day responsibilities then of a person in, in your role, talk to me about what a day in the life looks like. Ryan, some of the responsibilities that you have, some of the challenges that you meet on a day-to-day basis and, and how you manage your team as well. Yeah, yeah. Let's start over on the service management side because I think that's a really important aspect of the business is uh, being able to keep uh, any type of service that you offer a customer up and running is already a difficult thing. But then when you're when you're looking at it from a perspective of, uh, right, I have this technology that's also still somewhat in a beta moment, right? Where maybe not all the kinks have been ironed out, you know, from a perspective of, uh, you know, a specific type of protocol that's still somewhat new. Um, And being able to then look at any of the alert logs, hear from our customers, maybe they're seeing something that we haven't yet, and being able to then immediately uh, raise the flags when needed and action on them quickly is, is a day in the life of someone in the service management team. And you can do that. I mean, anybody can really be the one to raise a flag. But to do it with poise, to do it with objectivity, to be able to do it um, without make, like with, a, with an ability of being able to articulate what's really going on without the emotion involved in it and being able to then f- seek quick resolution for the people that work on it, right? Everybody here has very specialized interests and, and, and are very talented on very specific things. Uh, so I always like to joke around that I'm everyone's best friend. Because uh, in in customer success side of things, uh, I'm I'm, your cl- I'm the client's best friend. They're going to get to know me because I want them to be able to ring me when problems arise. And then for the service management side of things, not only does that translate well from the client relationship, but also just because of the fact that uh, if we need to reach out to another member of the engineering team, they already know us. And so the relationship's built. The trust is there knowing that we wouldn't reach out to them unless we actually needed them. And so, yeah, they want to help out. And what then that happens is that our resolution time, you know, shortens and the satisfaction rate goes up. And so I'm at the day in the life of the service management team. That's the, those are the three main things we always focus about. Poise, resolving things quickly, and being able to make sure that our customers are satisfied with that resolution. Then on the customer success side of things, the day in the life could be anything really. But the big thing for me is always keeping the pulse of how our customers are feeling about the products we're delivering to them. If we could be delivering some of the coolest things, but if they don't know about it or they don't know the feature that we've just rolled out, or maybe we've rolled out these features and there's an area or an aspect of it that they really want better functionality, that's my team's job to pull that out of them and then be the air traffic controlman to hand it off to the right product developer or the product team, I'm sorry. Uh, to be able to action on those items and be able to see the fullness of what um, Block Damon can respond to, in my opinion. Um, also, one of the neat things is that customer success managers are the ambassador. They're the voice of the customer to the company and the voice of the company to the customer. And so at any given moment, you can have an interaction with a client that is very excited about a new product that we're rolling out or 
On the other end, when we're thinking about new features or requests, th- these are the people that are the ones that are going to be the proper advocate to say whether or not uh, our client's usability is really there or, um, you know, hey, look, we're hearing a lot of noise about this new protocol. This is something that we should definitely be looking at. Um, so I love both aspects. I, I get to kind of hit both both of my buttons when it comes to like being really nerdy from a technical standpoint, but then having a really deep conversation with somebody out in the field um, and, and every single day it'd be a different holiday. It feels fun. Great. And then how does taking your experience uh, from previous roles into account, how does the customer success landscape in uh, more traditional or Web2 companies differ from the customer success landscape in a Web3 or a blockchain company? Yeah, I'm glad you asked that because that's something that's been brought up actually along among other CS leaders that I know in the in the space um, that aren't in Web3 right now. And they're asking the same questions. I think really at the personas for web2 companies are very standard you when you're when you're when you've got your list of calls for the day for check-ins or quarterly business reviews with your clients you're going to know exactly the right people to talk to to get the right types of responses uh, and you know what they what each persona is really going to be asking for i think in a web3 world i think it turns it completely upside down because Right. On one one day, I'm going to be hanging out with some crypto bros and we're going to be talking about the future state of like getting rid of Ticketmaster fees by utilizing crypto instead. Right. Uh, and then the next day you're talking to a banking institution. And so the 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 ability to be able to I hate to use this word, but it's for lack of a better term, code switch and be able to speak to people the way that they want to be spoken to, be more empathetic to the person you're, you're relating to, uh, instead of trying to put them into a cookie cutter, um, I, th- I think it's extremely helpful in the Web3 space. Um, so whenever we bring in customer success managers at Blockdaemon, um, I want them to be able to speak to the space. Uh, I want them to be able to, to be fanboys or fangirls of you know some niche protocol. I always think that's pretty cool. But I also am looking for people who are able to then uh, talk to their peers and talk to me and find relation points and be able to speak to those and find common ground that then they can build a trust and relationship off of, right? Because at the end of the day, when when these guys are always being sold to for all of these, you know, uh, applications and, and other SaaS products, the thing that's going to be the differing factor between choosing Block Damon suite of products versus somebody else's is the trust, the level of inherent trust that you build with someone. And you can only do that through finding common ground, not by putting them in a cookie cutter, which is what Web 2.0 CS leaders typically do, unfortunately. We, we will build out a persona and we'll march to it and we'll treat it almost like a sales mentality when really it's that human touch, it's that human element. It's, uh, you don't have to be their best friend, but you do need to find common ground in order for you to relate to them. And you mentioned the different profiles that you encounter in Web3 and the different use cases. You might be talking to an institution one day or a crypto native startup the next day. But from your perspective, what are some of the most common challenges that you'd see um, a customer encountering when it comes to this you know, relatively new technology? How does your team then help the customer navigate these challenges? Yeah, I mean, first of all, it's, it's, it's um, speaking from a place of authority, but also not speaking from a place of condescension. Right, you 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 want to meet them where they're at when it comes to their level of knowledge. I mean, you never want them to feel like they're being talked down to either. Uh, so uh, it, it it's a way of also garnering respect with your with your fellow peers. And then you know, sometimes these guys definitely know more than we do, and that's okay. We just bring in our engineering friends uh, and and start the conversation from there. 
that's the other thing too is a good CS uh, manager will know uh, where their you know their depth is and knowledge for each of them, and then be able to go and find somebody else on the team to be able to bring in to have that deeper conversation should it need to be. Fair enough. And then from your transition to from the Web3 world or more traditional companies, have there been any resources or any things that you found useful when navigating the Web3 space specifically? Yeah, it is extremely important for uh, customer success teams to utilize a customer success management tool. CRMs are cool. I love Salesforce, HubSpot. These are great tools for sales teams to interact with new clients. Uh, But the thing is, is that you don't get a really good read on the health of the customer. I don't want to be in a reactive state where my customer is meeting with me face-to-face and we're we're in a client visit and they're seething because of uh, a handful of uh, incidents that have come in or the usability has gone way down, and we've had no way of proactively measuring that and getting ahead of it, a good CSM tool gives you that ability. It gives you a, a little bit of subjectivity on your pulse read, you know, on how the customer is doing, but then it also gives you the ability to be able to see how they've been interacting with us in the past. We get to get a good read on all the incidents that are coming in and whether or not they're, um, they're really high priority and how have we, how have we worked on it. And being able to, uh, you know, nip it in the bud or head it at the pass, whatever phrase you want to say, but uh, being able to proactively reach out, have the reset conversation, uh, and, and just be honest with them. And I've learned that those are the uh, conversations that garner more respect over the long term. And so, you know, tooling is so important in the CSM space. It's the number one way that a CSM can be the most effective because if you have five clients that are super, super happy, but you have that one that's still in the same space and they're all friends with one another and they're not happy, you could very quickly either see them all start not liking the brand or that one that's not so happy, if you're proactive about it, you can you can win them over. They become the biggest promoter and a rising tide lifts all ships. And you'll see all of your relationships become even more fruitful for the business. Um, so proactivity is key. And from the incidents that you receive or the tickets that you might get in from a customer, how important is it then to implement these changes at a, at a company level to make sure that the product services that are being delivered are really best in class? Yeah. So first off, you've got to stop the bleeding for the thing that comes in, right? So you, you employ empathy and quick action. But then there's other ITIL practices that need to be put into place to ensure that these things don't keep on coming up, right? Uh, you know, shame on uh, fool me once, shame on uh, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me is the phrase. It's the same thing when it comes to incidents that arise in your environment. If we keep on seeing the same thing happen over and over, but we've not implemented any form of problem management to get that issue out of our environment completely and or also implementing change management to ensure that there's uh, checks and balances in place for higher risk pushes to your production that then could potentially open up a larger uh, issue throughout your entire environment. If you don't put those pla- those things in place, then the incidents will keep on coming and you just play firefighter all day. I, I don't mind being a firefighter. That's what my team does. I'd love it, though, if we can build the building to code to where the fire wouldn't be as big, though, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. And then... 
As a team leader, as the customer success team, how do you make sure that your team stays motivated and aligned with what needs to be done or new product launches, anything like that, especially in such a fast-paced industry? Yeah, fast-paced industry means you have to have a couple of things. Humor, wit, uh, those are my two favorite things that I like to bring in. I think that uh, being able to take uh, anything new and have it communicated clearly. My team hears it all the time for me. Clear, consistent communication. A new, uh, a new versioning of a, of a product shouldn't be uh, communicated to the team the day it happens or it's already launched and they know about it. They should have already had been involved in the product uh, uh, road mapping of that, involved in beta testing or user acceptance testing with the clients, and then also do big pushes and celebrations when the item goes live, especially if it's a major product, right? We, we launch Mothership. It's a, it's a beautiful piece uh, of uh, technology. And what it can do to the industry, honestly, is revolutionary. And when, when we think about how the CSM is really the voice of the company to the customer. It's our job then to also be evangelists. So if we don't know it well enough and have our hands dirty and played in, a, in the test environments to where we know what it does, um, we're way behind. And uh, playing catch-up is extremely important. But you avoid all of that, like I said, with clear, consistent communication across the entire uh, part of the product life cycle, being able to know what's going on and when it's going to happen and what are the details associated with it is key. And with those new product rollouts, how do you see customer success evolving in the Web3 space going forward? Web3 blockchain promises to be more user-centric, more uh, user-focused. Um, but you know, how excited are you for the future of customer success in, in Web3? Yeah, I think it's a really big deal to have customer success managers in crypto and Web3 in general. It, it, you see a, a certain inflection point Right there's a level of anonymity that comes with Web three that I think is beautiful. It needs to happen. We shouldn't be making money off of people's data and their usage, and we shouldn't be gouging them with fees and fines for, like I said before, Ticketmaster. Like if I want to buy a Taylor Swift ticket, I shouldn't be paying Ticketmaster eighty bucks for the transaction. It shouldn't be that way, or I should be able to hold on to all of my medical records. Right, but there's a level of anonymity that needs to come with it, and so when it comes to customer success, I think that there is a proactive uh, nature that you can put in where you want to make sure that our clients know that we're aware of what's going on and we want to help them. But at the same time, being able to have that comfortability of saying, we're here when you need us, that I'm going to, I'm not going to annoy you. I'm always going to make sure that you're aware of anything going on and I want to help you as much as you want to be helped. But at the same time, I want to be able to respect the fact that this is an environment where people like to hide or not, not maybe not necessarily hide, but they definitely want to protect some of their identity. And I think that's perfectly fine. And it, it's not just in the technology itself. It's also mostly in the nature of the people that work in the industry. And I think we need to respect that. And I think that when they feel that trust and they just, it's, it's almost not, it's, it's almost like you're there you feel them there, but you're not, you know, I'm not physically present in your office every day, right? Um, I think it comes off with a level of like, okay, if things go bad, Block Damon has my back. When I need something new, Block Damon has my back. When I'm curious about this product or this feature and I, it's not working the way I want it to, or it is working the way I want it to, but I'd love it for to do this also, Block Damon has my back. I know I can call Ryan's team and I know they're going to pick up the phone and I know that they're going to get me the bright people in a meeting to be able to respond to the questions that I have. That's a simple equation, and it, but it comes from a level of inherent trust that, that you just you, you can only build by having 
ACSM in the in the conversation. And as we wrap up today, Ryan, for anyone who might be or any company who might be growing or starting a customer success department or function within their own business, Web3 or, or blockchain focused, what advice would you have for building out or uh, maintaining a customer success team in a company? Yeah, it's so funny. Uh, CSMs in general aren't the revenue generating arm of a company. Uh, and so sometimes you'll see brand new startups make one key mistake. They, they, will, they will heavily invest in engineering, which is not a mistake. They'll heavily dump into sales, which I think that you should. But if you don't have people on the other end of that wall when you're throwing over the deals to catch them, to nurture them, and to grow them like a farmer, you know, uh, you're missing out on the greatest opportunity that you have as a business. Uh, there's something crazy along the lines of 55% of your revenue growth comes from the interactions with a CSM. There's an 85% likelihood that a customer will stay, even if they've had bad experiences with the product, just based on the relationship they have with their CSM. Not an account manager, not a technical account manager, not a post-sales engineer, a customer success manager. And it's because of their ability to be able to speak tech when they need to, to be able to facilitate empathy when it's required, and then also build a relationship and a trust. Because look, like most CSMs, they don't make a commission rate off of the products that the company sells. So that means that you know, you have a sales rep in the in the call for the quarterly business review. They want to show you some new whirly gig that the company's offering. And when they get off the phone or even in the middle of the conversation, you'll see slacks pop up from that client to your CSM going like, hey, is this the real deal? Like, and have an unbiased, very objective, yeah, I think that you really should listen. I think this is the right thing for you. And here's the 10 reasons why based on the combos we've had. You, you, you can't, that's worth its weight in gold. You, 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 there's no amount of marketing dollars you can spend to get that level of trust with the brand. Ryan Matthews, thank you very much for your time today. Very yeah. insightful conversation. Thank you. I appreciate it too.